This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's time once again for Mariners Pod. Thanks for being here. Hopefully you had a very good weekend. The Mariners get back at it against Washington, a brief two-game series, and then Cleveland comes to town. An exciting weekend. Of course, a big series on the field with Cleveland here, the leaders in the Central, and of course, each row going into the Mariners Hall of Fame. We'll have much more on that as we roll through the week. Jason Churchill is going to be here. We'll chat with him in just a couple of minutes. First, we'll set the table for the next couple of days. Robbie Ray, the ball tonight, 7-10 first pitch. George Kirby tomorrow, 1-10. The very brief two-game series against Washington. Mariners come in by percentage points, the third wild card spot. Tampa Bay, number one. They've won three in a row. The Blue Jays at 65 and 55, number two. The Mariners, 66 and 56, number three. Baltimore, two and a half back. Minnesota, three. The White Sox, four. That's how things sit going into today. Tampa Bay continues a series with the Angels. The Blue Jays will be at Fenway Park taking on the Red Sox. Baltimore, We'll take on the White Sox. Minnesota will be in Houston. That's how everything lines up. And Cleveland in the mix, of course, they'll be at San Diego before they head up to play the Mariners. So that's how things look. Mariners handled Washington at their place. Of course, the Nationals have struggled mightily this season, and now without Soto, without Bell as well. Their pitching has really struggled. They've had one of the worst rotations really in baseball history when you look at uh, the ERAs. It's creeping towards six, and that's pretty rare territory. That's in the bottom 10 all time if you take out non full seasons. So, pitching has really struggled. We'll see if the Mariners can take advantage of that. We had a really fun conversation in Oakland with Jason Churchill. A chance to catch up with uh, Jason. Always fun to talk to. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, which you probably should be doing. At Prospect Insider, also subscribe to his podcast, Baseball Things. Very good stuff. You know Jason Churchill. Great Mariners content, as always. And while we were at, as he calls it, the Green Castle, we had a chance to talk all about the Mariners, where they are now, and where he thinks they will be in September. Now I just think we're seeing a little bit more of a complete team where it's not as surprising to see them go out and put up a game like they did on Friday and, and actually outclass the team on the field mm. a little bit. We saw that a little bit with the Angels where while the games were closer, you play like the game long enough, the better team's going to win, and that, that's what happened in the majority of that, uh, the last Angels series. So I think we're seeing that more. Obviously, getting Mitch Haniger back was, is, is enormous, and I, and I think aside from the production that Mitch Haniger puts up, just having him there – I imagine allows Scott Service and, and, and that staff to just put their lineup together the way that they really want to, the way that it was meant to, you know, instead of asking guys to hit cleanup or to hit third, that really that's not really who they are and what, what they do. And Mitch being there, and he can hit anywhere. He can bat lead off, he can bat a third, second, he fits. Uh, I imagine it's just enormous for, uh, for the rest of those players on that team. What impact do you think Luis Castillo has made and will continue to make? Yeah, aside from the obvious, he's pitching well on the mound 
and essentially he's replacing you know a pitcher that you know doesn't quite have the you know the impact or didn't have that that kind of an impact and, and isn't necessarily somebody you would expect to go toe to toe with a Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander mm-hmm. something again Castillo can certainly do that I would think that those players down there when that deal was made and then when they meet Luis Castillo and they see Luis Castillo pitch go toe to beat Garrett Cole things like that you're pretty energized, and you maybe even those players down there are starting to think about this team the way that you and I would or the way that the, the fans would. Like, wow, okay, we have another guy that we can throw out there that can pitch with anybody, that can get anybody out. How far can we go? Mm. Like, instead of are we any good at all, it's how far can we go now? Uh, it, you know, one narrative that i kind of been thinking about with this is – on paper, at least, is this at least as good a rotation as they're throwing out there in Houston? Because right now, for mm-hmm. the Mariners, that's the measuring stick. The Houston Astros mm-hmm. is the ball club are the measuring stick. And I would say the answer is yes. So there might be some some advantages there, even right now with the rotation. Uh, you know, with Marco, I mean, you're probably thinking of Marco as your back-end guy. I mean, that's pretty incredible to think about a guy who's done what Marco Gonzalez has done. Um you know, to be able to throw out there in the, you know, the, the third or fourth game uh, of a long series. Uh, that's not something Seattle's had for, for a little while. And, and uh, they obviously need to stay healthy from a, from an offensive standpoint. But uh, it's a pretty major impact when you add, like, a, at least a number two type starter in Castillo to, to the rotation. I mean, you know, here's a good question. I don't know the answer to it. What kind of impact is he having on the bullpen? And yeah. not having to go to the bullpen in the fifth or the sixth inning as much. And when they do... It's a three nothing lead instead of a you know a five one deficit or instead of scoreless tie, um, you know. And again, this goes back to the offense. Everybody contributing. You're in such a better position when Castillo's ready to come out of the game than than they were before. And I don't know if I'm just like just turn me into put me in Mitch Hanniger's shoes, put me in Julio Rodriguez's shoes, put me in J.P. Crawford's shoes, put me in Adam Frazier's shoes. Those would probably fit me better anyway. I'm thinking, wow, how far can we go? I, that is the biggest thing I'm thinking about right now if I'm that ball club down there, is we added Luis Castillo to an already pretty good team and a pretty good rotation. We're going to be able to do some damage, and that's pretty exciting no matter who you are. You're a fan of this team, you work for the team, uh, or you're one of those players down there. That's pretty energizing, I would think. You bring up the trip trickle-down effect, too. It is really interesting because it feels like this stretch where they've generally gotten good starts just about each and every time, at least innings each and every time, and it feels like the staff has been able to really put pitchers in their best positions to be successful, and they haven't had to drive them hard either. If a guy pitches twice, they have enough depth where you don't have to run out Munoz for a third day in a row, which you know they don't want to do. It, 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 there does seem to be something to that. I yeah, think that's there, a good point. There does, and, and coming into Saturday's game here, I was thinking, you know, how much have they used Seawald lately? And then you look at it, and you're like, yeah. well, not a whole lot the last right. week or so. They just haven't really had to do that. And He's kind of the one guy that I worry about, you mm-hmm. know, in, in that situation. They had to use him a lot last year, and, and uh, you know, he doesn't throw, you know, 100 miles an hour, but, you know, any arm out there that you overuse a little bit, you're going to see that in the stuff. You're going to see that in location. You always want to keep guys fresh, you know, down the stretch. So it, it's almost like they added in Castillo an average major league starter and a reliever in one guy. Yeah. You know, they added like a sixth or a seventh inning guy to the mix that can just cover that extra inning, get those extra one to three outs. So you don't have to go to Seawall as much. You don't have to go to Munoz as much. You don't have to go to Castillo as much, which might actually be important for Castillo considering he's had to hit the IL a couple of times with uh, with the shoulder thing. So you keep those guys fresh. I mean, Castillo on Friday looked great. I mean, didn't yeah. he? So, you know, that's a big thing. And, and, you know, maybe the thing the Mariners do the best is apply – 
their their weapons in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I think we, we started to see that in 2020, but we really saw it a year ago. And one of the questions nationally coming into the season was, you know, they were just lucky winning one-run games. Was that it? Well, no, there's some skill in winning those one-run games. When you have a pretty good bullpen and you know how to deploy those those uh, those arms, uh, you're going to win a lot of one-run games. We're seeing that again this year. And I think Castillo just essentially gives them one of both, one starter, one reliever, and there's a lot of impact in that. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, to me, it's not a coincidence when you look at June 21st. It's kind of the date I keep looking back at. That's where this run, current run, the Mariners, are on started. And the bullpen numbers in that stretch are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Off the charts. And a lot of it, I think, is what you're referencing. It's a deep bullpen, lots of stuff. I mean, it's pretty sick. Uh, different kind of stuff, too, uh, which is interesting. But to me, the bullpen has been kind of the backbone of this entire run. It has. And, and I like that you mentioned different stuff. I'm re- I've been big on that for all. You remember back when uh, the Mariners brought on Carson Smith from the Myers, I was mm. like, he's so different than the rest of this current bullpen. And I think when you look at Seawald, he's different. Penn Murphy is different, although Murphy and Seawald have some similarities. Uh-huh. The difference in like their slider shapes and, yeah. and when it starts to break are different. So you can't see Murphy in the sixth and then Seawald in the eighth and go, I just saw a guy that's, that's right. almost, they're not really all that similar uh, from the hitter standpoint. So I liked it. You get the flamethrower in, in Munoz and Castillo's like sinker slider. And, and then you bring a guy in from the left side like Bo Rucky for a while, uh, maybe, maybe Matt Boyd a little later. Uh, I love the idea that you have unique guys that have unique pitches. I mean, we talk about the slider a lot with this bullpen. The, the sliders are different. They're all different. Yeah, yeah. It, it's they're crazy. slider monsters as a unit, but they're all different. Right. Like everyone except for really Swanson doesn't throw it that often, but everyone else has like sliders the thing. But yeah. they're all different. And and even the starters, the the, the yeah. starters are different from each other, and the starters are different from each of those relievers as well. So that, that I think there's an advantage to that not giving hitters the same looks from the same arm slots with the same stuff, the same velocities, being able to mix it up. I think it's an advantage to be able to give different arm salt looks, but also, what's Penn Murphy sitting, 88 to 91 miles an hour? And then Seawald's more like 91 to 94, (laughs) and then you get the guys with the velocity. I mean, there's just so many ways to mix it up with pitch types and arm slots and velocities that uh, that's preferred. And I imagine Scott Service prefers that. I I imagine Coach Pete uh, prefers that. I imagine Jerry DePoto, that that's not an accident, the way they put this bullpen together. For this entire season, essentially, it's been Astros, Yankees, the top two teams, and then kind of everyone else fighting it out underneath. When you look at the landscape of the rest of the American League, and as we sit here, the Mariners in the first wildcard spot, how do you think about the rest of the teams in the mix with the Mariners? Yeah, I think including Seattle, you can find flaws in them pretty mm-hmm. easily. And you know, right now, you know, unfortunately for the Yankees, <laughs> we can find a yeah, lot of flaws in that too. ball club yes. as well. They're they're really struck. The talent is there though for the Yankees to be one of the elite, uh, certainly elite teams. And I and I think raw talent wise, you know, the Rays, the Jays, and the Mariners all have similar talent levels. The difference is the Astros and the Yankees when they're when they're rolling. That talent is a little more mature, mm. but we're starting to see Toronto, like the Vlads and the Bichettes, we're starting to see those guys mature in Seattle with, mm-hmm. with Julio in his first year, but you get guys like Crawford, they're kind of entering their prime or near their prime, and then going out and adding the Robbie Rays and the Castillos of the world that are already doing it at a very, very high level, already kind of in their impact years of their career. I think that's the biggest difference. Tampa's a unicorn. Like, nobody yeah. – I've always thought, Gary – if you think you're going to go out and grab a front office and ask them, okay, we don't want to spend money, so do what the Rays do, I think ownerships would get laughed at. Yeah. They are a unicorn the way they do everything. It is crazy. I've talked to players that have gone from 
like San Diego to Tampa, you know, like minor leaguers, or even Seattle to Tampa, and they're like, wow, I can't believe how different it is. Mm -hmm. Like, like not necessarily better or worse, but just extremely, they're just so unique. And at the big league level, they're unique in the way they run games, and we've seen it with the openers and, and things like that. I would not want to play the Rays. That's the team that, that, that I would not want. They're just Anything can happen. You could blow them out in a three-game series. I, I would not put that past a Seattle or a Toronto or a Minnesota or a Cleveland to, to just run the Rays right off the field or in the other direction. Uh, like They're so unpredictable and, and at times very, very good. They're a little banged up right now. and, and uh, But they're in the thick, and if they get in, they're going to be really dangerous. Toronto... They might they might be the team with the biggest upside. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you you look at those power arms and Manila and Gossman and, and Barrios, you imagine Barrios gets it going. Um, they might be the scariest of those teams. And I just think if you're Seattle and you can figure out a way to host that wild yeah. card series, because that's really I think it's enormous. It is enormous in, in in a lot of ways. I would not want to go to Tampa or Toronto. But to be honest with you, I, I'm really interested, in, and I'm certainly not rooting for this for, for Seattle's sake, but as, uh, from a baseball fan's perspective, I'd really like to see Seattle go into Cleveland or Minnesota for that wild card series. I, I think you'd get a really fun series. I think you'd get an extremely energized uh, Mariners team that's ready to separate themselves from these teams that we're talking about, from the White Sox, mm -hmm. from Cleveland, from Minnesota, and get a little closer to where the Yankees and the Astros are. And from that standpoint, I do think Seattle's the best team in that mix. You look at that starting pitching and the depth in the bullpen, and to be honest with you, Scott Service, let's throw him in the mix. Is he not the best manager out of that entire group? I think organizationally, Tampa's so unique, it's difficult it's to throw Kevin yeah. Cash in there. But Scott Service and, and that field staff – hold things together as well as anybody we've seen it two three years in a row coming out of the rebuild 2019 2020 and it's like oh maybe this isn't their year and then all of a sudden they win seven of ten and everybody's hurt and you know they're hanging on and it's like maybe this isn't and now they've won 14 in a row uh -huh. like it, it's it's crazy and and i think the narrative around managing major league baseball certainly changed over the last 10 years with information sure. and, and data being such a huge part of it but the role of a manager is largely still about managing that clubhouse mm -hmm. and making sure that you don't lose that team or you don't lose key players or you don't let things get out of hand. And we have to give that staff tons of credit because, man, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where Mitch was out, Julio was out, Ty France was in that lineup, Winker was in that lineup, JP was in that lineup, the suspensions. Like, it just did not look right. Mm -hmm. and, and you knew it didn't. But I also think, and maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you have a different perspective on this, but it didn't it never felt i think because of last year and the year before it never really felt like uh-oh it felt like yeah. are they going to dig themselves too big of a hole maybe uh -huh. but uh-oh i always felt like they were going to get just healthy enough to be dangerous because of that staff and what what service and and uh um, and Manny Acta and Perry Hill and those guys have done down there to keep this. And the leaders on the, you know, in the player, the, the J.P. Crawfords and the, you know, Robbie Rays and Marco Gonzalez and, and certainly Hanniger, especially now that he's back. Those guys obviously play a huge role in that. And, and I just, I don't know that that's something Toronto has yet. I don't know right now if Tampa has enough of that mm -hmm. yet. You know, Tampa, again, the unicorn, so who knows. Um, but I think Seattle's the team closest to being able to break away from that wild card, uh, and they may show some of that the rest of the way here. And if they're, you know, they get into the postseason, if boy, if I'm the Yankees, I don't want to play Seattle. I well, don't. That's the thing. Yeah. And I was thinking about this for, as you were bringing up kind of the how the wild card sits, and especially if the Mariners have a chance, if they do break away a little bit, have a chance to set their rotation and are hosting. 
you don't want to face Castillo Ray one two in Seattle in a potentially three game series. Like that's that's no fun. If you're the Blue Jays and you finish, you'd rather finish third, in my opinion. You'd rather finish third and play the Central winner then finish second and play the Mariners in an opening series. 100%. You do not want to be the, the number two wild card. And conversely, yeah, if yeah. you're the Mariners, I think you'd rather finish third than go to Toronto. 100%. And play. Absolutely. I think it works both ways. I don't think any of those teams want to be the number two wild card. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a serious – and that's you know that happens from year to year. But right now, the American League Central doesn't really have, at least right now, as mm-hmm. we're sitting here in late August – a team that appears capable of winning, you know, even a short series over, you know, just pure talent wise. Yeah, if you're Cleveland, you could throw Shane Bieber out there and they've, you know, Tristan McKenzie's look pretty good, but does that really match up with Castillo, yeah. Ray, Kirby, Gilbert? Does uh, does that match up with Toronto's top of the rotation in that lineup? It really doesn't. So that that central team, even if it's Minnesota, maybe especially if it's Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You want to, that's the team you want to play. Yeah. Like even like if you could be the number one wild card, you want to be that because then you get to host games, but if you can't win the one, be the three. Like, the two is not the way to go this year. And, and I don't know that it ever will be. That American League Central right now, I'm not sure they're really ever going to have a juggernaut. And if that changes and they do, then obviously that changes the dynamic with the wild card and where you'd like to place. But if you're going to get picky, one or three. It's funny because it felt like the White Sox had a chance before the season to be a powerhouse-ish Is that team. not one of the top five most talented but rosters yeah, in baseball? I still I look at the is. roster to this day and I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, we Come could on. probably. I mean, we could probably spend an <laughs> hour point, pointing I fingers, mean, but it's thing. all going to point at the same thing. Yeah, you know? you're but absolutely they've right. They've had some injury issues, but you know but that team. Yeah. There's some other. Yeah, there's there's yeah. other issues happening. When you with them, when you yes. intentionally walk batters on a one-two count, you know, in a five-two ball that, game, I think that makes it pretty easy to figure out yeah, what's going there's on. There's a there. there's a lot, but you look at the player roster, and it's like they're as talented as anyone. Everywhere. Up and down. Yeah, there's talent at every, at every level, too. Younger guys, they got veterans, they got on the mound, in the bullpen, they're just, and it's just, it's just not working. I mean, sometimes this, you know, the synergy around teams just isn't right. And with the, with the White Sox right now, that's not happening. With the yeah. Yankees right now, that's not happening. But in Seattle, in Toronto, in Baltimore, you're starting to see some of those things. And I, I like to point toward not just the field staff, but the front office, because, I mean, you think about the front office in uh, in Seattle. Well, who's responsible for bringing this field staff that I'm bragging about the last? I mean, mm. that's Jerry Depoto and that mm-hmm. front office and Justin Hollander and those guys making those decisions. And, and they kind of all work together these days. You know, uh, I, had a, I had a question the other day. Does service just, is he just a front office? You know, does, does they just tell him what to do? No, no. I mean, yeah. there's so much to do. There's not a whole lot of gut feel stuff going on in Major right. League Baseball anymore. That used to be the thing. That used to be a word used a lot when I talked to scouts and front office people. You know, we're just going to gut feel this. Like, I never hear that anymore. No. There it is. You we can't. too much information to just go gut you feel. Can't. Yeah. yeah, and symmetry is the perfect word for it. Because I think when I look at what a manager does now at the big league level, I think that is it. I mean, you've, you've got the clubhouse portion where you're managing people. I mean, think about 26 guys from all different backgrounds, all different places, different things going on with each player. Some players probably not playing as much as they would like, maybe not in a role they would like, but you got to get everyone in the same direction. And then you're kind of the bridge from the front office to the players as well with everything you're talking about. I mean, you're talking about the analysts, the coaching staff, everyone on the same page. And to further your point about the bullpen, it's not an accident that the bullpen has been really good and pitchers have been put in the right place to succeed. They are working on this for hours every single day. Multiple people in the front office along with with Scott Service and everyone else. Like, they're... There's a lot happening behind the scenes that we don't get a chance to see every day. But to me, when I think about what a manager does, that job has 
grown and grown and grown. And it's not just like, who's batting six tonight? I mean, right. that's just <laughs> such a small part of an everyday life of a manager. It is. Think about the communication that's necessary yes. to keep that bullpen. Because those guys need to have a good idea when they're coming in. And mm-hmm. that might change a little bit. It's like, hey, in the sixth inning, if we're tied, hey, Diego, we might come to you. The, the constant communication, the consistency in Major League Baseball. You know, when you look at other sports, obviously communication is key in just about anything you do. But you look at other sports, it's not the daily communication grind that major league baseball is it's not the daily infuse of information and you know the teams that choose the information wisely don't necessarily have an advantage if they can't communicate it properly Mm -hmm. to uh to their to their staff and their players and obviously seattle does that pretty well yeah absolutely so last thing is the mariners head into september what would you like to see from the mariners in the final month how greedy can i get you can get as greedy as you want uh yeah from a from a player standpoint i to be honest with you i'm a little worried about logan gilbert's and the george kirby's of the world Mm -hmm. i I understand there's a plan there we're not hearing at least publicly about what's going on with uh with the plan for for logan gilbert i want to see them do something with logan gilbert that gets him a little bit of a break Mm -hmm. whether they do some sort of short scripted start or something like that but aside aside from taking care because i absolutely you know there's no reason not to trust this organization they want to take care of their guys they usually land on the you know the conservative side there to make sure their their players are okay I want to see the offense win games. Mm. I, I do. I want to see. We saw it. We saw it Friday. I want to see the offense win seven, six games, six, five games, ten, four games, more games where they're scoring six or more runs. I think we're going to see that. And if we do, you get to the end of September, you get into October, that final week of the season, you might not be playing for anything. I, I really do think there's an opportunity for this team to set their rotation and essentially, in in a way, almost choose their opponent at mm. the end of the day. How important are those games going to be the last five, eight, ten days of the season? Mm-hmm. If they are because of your seeding and you want to go for that number one, then you then you just play it out and you go for that number one. Then maybe the last three days, Gary, we're talking about how important is the number one versus setting up your rotation. That'd be a fun conversation to have heading into October. It'd be a very October, fun conversation, yeah. Yeah, so... I, but I do. I want to see the offense win games. I want to see more, you know, just kick the daylights out. of You know, Cole Irvin's not a bad starter. He's had yeah, a good year, and they got to him and then blew the bullpen to shreds. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see more of that. I think we're going. And Mitch Hanniger was so huge to get him back in this lineup. And I just have a have another Mitch Hanniger month, you know, and, and we saw it last year, and, and I think we're going to see it again this year. And now there's just more guys compared to last year, they're going to be able to back him up and, and, and set him up. And, you know, you're going to see guys like Julio Rodriguez take over games too, and I think that's the fun of it. But if they get through the month of September with the offense being a significantly bigger factor in them winning games, I'm going to feel really good about this team in the postseason. To not just win that, that wild card series, to get in and win that wild card series, but to scare even the Astros a little bit. I don't necessarily think that's a great matchup, but I don't know that the Astros are going to skate you know, on the Mariners in a seven-game series. So you know, one step at a time, but this team's pretty dangerous, and, and uh, you know, they can lay out some uh, – uh, some evidence for us to, to buy into once October comes, if they can do that. And I think we're going to see it. We're seeing them. You know, they, they, yeah. The Friday game was just one, but you know, you you, you kind of slug along in some of those Angels games, and then boom, you know, somebody gets a two-run shot, or yeah. you find a weird way to score three runs or whatever. And I just think this team's capable of scoring in a lot of ways. We're going to see it a lot more. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun to see. Church, it was uh, great to see you here in Oakland. The Green Palace, is that? The Green Castle. Green Castle, yeah, I'm the sorry. Green. The Palace is good, too. Maybe I'll rethink this. Okay. But gr- so far, Green Castle. Green, green Castle, green, I like green it. Castle. Yeah, it's great to see you in the Green Castle. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it, Gary. <laughs> okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.